Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Deepa Taylor. How are you two doing? Pretty good. Nice. Yeah, doing all right. It's um, the way we're doing this recording wise, we're going from like, eh, to like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like the downer note. <laughs> I, you know, uh, we were going to have a guest on who does like this movie and i thought it would have been an interesting dynamic but now the mm-hmm. person's not on and now it's just us just shit it's gonna be a movie. fucking bloodbath yeah yeah i mean I'm, I'm not gonna say like i i hate this movie i mean there are definitely things about this movie that i do really like but i think most of them are the ideas behind the movie and not so much the execution of those ideas <laughs> yeah i think my biggest complaint about this movie is that it feels like it's a movie that should have had another two or three movies preceding it. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I, sh- I honestly could have used more setup for um, a lot of the characters in this. Even though, like, real reality is, is we had uh, Unbreakable and Split before this. I could have used more, like Glass feels like if the mcu had like iron man and hulk and then immediately just jumps into avengers and you're like what like yeah uh, that's kind of my main complaint about this movie is it just feels like it feels very rushed for what it's wanting to do and i mm-hmm. bet you that was the studio being like oh avengers infinity war just made a ton of money like why don't we piggy piggyback on that and it was like nope or yeah. maybe it was knight being so excited that he had such a hit and a great reaction to a stinger he he is very reactionary like that i've noticed yeah like when i think and i shamalan's a director that's best when his backs up against the wall like when people Mm -hmm. aren't big fans of him that's when he starts to think creatively and get himself out of that corner but then doesn't take long he puts himself back into that corner like uh like he's such an interesting filmmaker like that like when when people don't like him that's when he tends to do the best work in my opinion and, and this <laughs> this was like the third film um in 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 his comeback like kind of comeback right because he did the visit or no he did split which in my opinion brought him back yeah and then he did the visit which was like totally like out of left field he he's doing like um a sort of found footage movie and it just fucking works on so many levels and then then glass yeah yeah and it's just yeah it it's i i heart i cuz when he did unbreakable apparently he had it in mind as a trilogy. So what we're led to believe is that 
split was the next next inevitability but was glass always like how he was going to finish the story because it feels i doubt it It feels like a complete mess it does yeah and it feels like yeah. they are also setting up stuff that never happened to like yeah there's a lot in this that just yeah, I I really think like Unbreakable and Split should have been their own standalone movies. And then I kind of agree with you, Kurt. Like, if they wanted to bring them together, there should have been another movie in between Split and Glass that found a little more cohesion between the two. Yeah. Um, because on the surface, Unbreakable and Split don't like it doesn't really make sense to put them in the same universe because the the themes of them and what's going on and what the characters all motivations are like i just don't think they align enough for it to make sense for them to come together in glass um yeah. even though it, it, like logically i guess it does make sense because it, like the spoiler of glass i guess is that mr glass has just been behind all this shit and like he's looking he knows the secret he knows that there's superheroes out there and so he's going out there and causing all this ruckus to try and find the super strong people or whatever and so he's like his superpower is that he's the mastermind and all of this other stuff but i just i just don't think that's enough for it to actually make like be the connection between unbreakable and split and i do love both of those movies i'm unbreak i'm a huge fan of unbreakable and even though i wasn't a huge fan of glass Bruce Willis's character with his son and their whole story. I fe- felt the emotions still in Glass from Unbreakable. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's how you know Unbreakable is a good movie. Um, because you're still attached to those characters. But, like, I didn't care. Everything else that happened, I was just like, what is the point? What is even mm-hmm. going on? Uh, yep. So, yeah. That's, that's my little mini rant. <laughs> if I were to, like, write a movie before this like i would have done a movie focusing on sarah paulson's character and like yeah like flesh out because also too there's the whole thing of this group of people that don't want supers to exist like do that too and maybe you just put in like an original character that maybe doesn't survive the movie but at least sets up this world and then at the end you can be like oh you bring in um bruce willis's character and then that you wheel him by, like, a room that has James McAvoy's character and a room that's got Samuel L. Jackson's character, and then you're like, oh, shit, and then you do Glass. But, yeah, like, this movie is just trying to do so much, like, trying to introduce Mm -hmm. Sarah Paulson's character and everything going on with that, and then... Yeah. Just, it was a lot of the movie. Yeah, I I feel like that the 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 twist at the end of Split where Bruce Willis shows up should have been scrapped and they should have saved that for a twist in Glass. Like we should not have known that they were in the same universe before this movie came out. Is is mm-hmm. how I feel like it maybe would have hit better, you know? Um but because we knew there was this expectation that oh, everything's going to make perfect sense and come together in the end and there's going to be all this stuff and it just was it was so weak of a connection that it's just so underwhelming the final product <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I gotta, unfortunately i gotta correct myself the visit came first and then split yeah. and then glass came three years later um but in context the visit also came after after earth and the last airbender and the happening <laughs> whereas oh, three no. films before that one and then before the happening was lady in the water which i have soft like there's stuff i like in that movie Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to shit on that film entirely, but yeah. <laughs> and then After Earth, which is just 
Like, oh boy. Yeah. It's funny how 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 much that movie has been forgotten. <laughs> I forgot about it until you mentioned it right now. It's yeah. It, it's I mean, so bad but... that Jaden Smith hated his father for quite a long time after that. So. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, oh god. Did I even give the synopsis for this movie yet? I don't think I have. Oh, no, you haven't, I don't think. Oh, well, let's choose. We, we just talk on this podcast, and then I'm like, <laughs> wait, where are we in the notes? Oh, oh, yeah, we haven't even done the summer yet. Uh, security guard David Dunn uses his supernatural abilities to track Kevin Wendell Crumb, a disturbed man who has 24 personalities. So. Uh, when was the first time we watched this movie? It was a press uh-huh. movie for me, so. Yeah, I uh, I saw it out here in theaters. I saw the, the early show or whatever. Oh man, I wanted to see this in theaters so badly, and then I think I waited. I should have seen it as soon as it came out. I waited, and I heard really mixed things, and my excitement just went like, ooh, like it, it nosedived. So I actually watched it for the podcast because I just had not gotten... I really didn't want to be disappointed by it, I think. Um, and unfortunately, I was. And I just... I really liked the idea of having all these random stories coming together and having, you know, Samuel L. Jackson's Mr. Glass character be this mastermind. And then I just kind of felt like he maybe wasn't... You know, he wasn't really that much of a mastermind. Um, so yeah, kind of disappointing, and uh, there is def- that was definitely the reason that I sat on it for a, a, a little bit. I wonder how my opinion would have been if I had just went in blind to to uh, the movie theater and, and saw it in theaters. Maybe I would be a little bit more forgiving of some of it, but yeah, for the most part, meh. I think, yeah, this movie doesn't want you to forgive it for some weird reason. It's like, no, let's just <laughs> everything you're going to potentially mm. not like in this I mean, I I did want to give this a chance. Like, I I know M Night is not the hottest director, but like, like I said before, he has his highs and his lows, and I think he does best when he's up against the the wall, so to speak. And I think uh, when Split had come out, he was, I mean, he was coming off the visit, which was mildly well received. Actually, it was pretty well received, but like, yeah, I think a lot of people yep. were like, oh, we'll see, and he did a pretty good job. And then, yeah. I think sometimes he gets very, he maybe gets a little too excited when he starts to do well, and that's when we get these, these, these kind of movies. But, um, yeah. Uh, first, yeah. Anyways, yeah. First time I watched it without press screening, I just remember uh, the press screening. There were so many people excited to see it because Split was so good, and then everyone left, and everyone was like, "What the fuck did we just watch?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we do have a few emails. One is from Wendell. It says, I hate that Bruce Willis died, though. It was... If this was supposed to be some sort of franchise, then why kill off one of the stars of the movie? It'd be like if they killed off Tony Stark during Avengers 1. You ever yeah. the Avengers references, but yes, it does track. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, because there is that one line. We haven't got to it yet, so spoilers for best line. But there is that one line where... Samuel Jackson says something about oh, it. Oh, this is this isn't a limited edition. This is a origin story, and I was like, well, whose origin? Because yeah. 
everyone who has a power in this movie is dead by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Unless for some reason his like maybe Bruce Willis's son has, but like he would know by now. So I I it was just overall very confusing because it almost seemed like that implied this was setting something else up, even though it doesn't seem like there's any anything else actually set up by this movie because everyone who we've been following, all the characters we've been following, are either dead or bad guys for the most part. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just just adding to the the confusion of of this movie. Yeah, and then also too like they try to like shove in that like Casey has some sort of like I don't know fondness or like respect for Kevin, but then yeah. I'm like why you, why she, she, she kidnapped her like yeah connecting the first. I'm connecting Split in this movie and and Casey's character arc doesn't make much sense. No. Yeah, it's I agree. It's part of the big mess in this movie. Yeah. If if Casey turned out to have been like his sister or something, like if they had some sort of deeper connection, other than oh yeah, you're the kidnap girl he let go, and oh you you just you understand him. Like yeah. it's it, it just felt so. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why she cared that much, I guess. Mm. Like, I I did like her character in general, though. Like, I thought there were still some good things between their characters that I liked, but it just felt so, like, there wasn't enough of a reason for that stuff to be happening, I guess. And were they, was it just me, or were they trying to set up some romantic thing between Casey and Joseph? They for sure were. Okay. Which is lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Got to like, shoehorn in some sort of romance somewhere. I don't know. Always, it's weird. It's, you know, and, it's a case and of the night uh, case, so. being on the other side of the, the, the gender, that's got to be so fucking frustrating to see that time and time again. <laughs> yeah. Every female uh, character has to have a love interest. Otherwise, yeah. it's not a real Hollywood movie. Exactly. Otherwise, to Hollywood or to these type of films, they don't have a purpose. They're not fulfilling their purpose because their, pur- pur- their purpose is only to be what a fucking receptacle for every male lead male character. Yeah. Well, exactly. If bullshit. If it's not there. How do you know that Joseph Dunn isn't gay? Because if you don't give him a <laughs> interest, the studio yep. will the the audience will just yep. assume he's gay. Oh. That's exactly it. Oh That's god. Exactly it. It's a case of the not gays. It, it, that yeah. actually is a thing. Like, yeah, certain. Yeah. There's certain <laughs> camps of screenwriters that believe that yeah, if if you don't explicitly show some level of interest in a woman and a man, that the audience will assume that the man is gay. And we can't have no. that, so... Oh, God. I will say, at least they've tracked down uh, the actor, because he was in Unbreakable 2. So, he, you know, he was... Uh, he still is acting. He's appeared in a ton of stuff. But yeah, like, one of his earliest ever roles was in Unbreakable, so... Yeah. Oh man, and if they had recast his character, this movie would have been so much worse too. Like seeing his actor play the son again, Bruce Willis's son, like I oh, it just brought back all the the warm fuzzy feelings I got from Unbreakable and like the father-son stuff that happened during that movie, you know? So Yeah. I it it would have been so it uh, oh, I would have just I would have had way more to say about how unhappy I would have been with this movie. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, yeah, I'm glad they brought him back, even though, like, 
Yeah, he doesn't seem like the most busiest actor or highest profile actor, so I'm sure they were like, no. do you want to come back? He was like, I'm not sure, why not? But still. Former child stars. Not all of them are Kei Hui Kwan. You know what I mean? Mm, yes. <laughs> I still remember I interviewed him for Everything Everywhere all at once, and then he won an Oscar, so I can say that I've interviewed an Oscar I just, winner. My wife hadn't seen the movie, so we just watched it a couple nights ago. Ooh. It still makes me cry in all the same places. Yep. What's I, weird about I, that I, movie is it, it's fucking weird too. Like, yeah, it's so weird. It's so funny. It's so emotional. It's so relatable. Mm-hmm. There is just there's so much going on in that movie, and there's just no weak link in the chain no. whatsoever, and deserved all the accolades it got. I wish Steph- Stephanie Sue could win. Mm-hmm. I, I, like the other half of Jamie Lee Curtis's Best Supporting Actress trophy because she's so ma- amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, yeah, I, it's just such a special, special movie, and I I feel like it's going to be one of those movies that will be like the benchmark of of the early twenty uh, twenties. You know, mm-hmm. or at least I hope so. And uh, I hope that everything that the Daniels want to put forth now just is immediately greenlit. Yeah. I just found out, too, that Spencer Street Clark is also going to be in the Salem's Lot reboot, which I'm low-key Oh, nice. For. Nice. Who's, who's got that one? Uh, Gary Doberman is directing. So. Okay. So, like, the he's he's within the Conjuring universe. Yeah, so it's Warner Brothers is putting that out. So. He also wrote it part two yeah that's why i'm like i need i need to wait to see <laughs> i need to wait to see a, a, a trailer for that but salem's law definitely is one of those properties that needs a reboot so yeah well and, and i'm just gonna say that like i don't know how you fumble uh all for you story all there for you already story like it again I don't know how you fumbled the finish line so badly. Yeah. Um, it, it, it reason like that also has me a little uh, worried about the Flash movie because mm, uh, yeah. it's it, it's the last thing. It part two is the last thing I saw from Eddie uh, Andy Mus- uh, Machete. There's been people so, who have said that the Flash is like one of the best superhero movies from like the last ten years. So almost like well, that's Ooh. good. That that's good. To, like I like hearing that. Yeah. Um. And I personally was oh like not like over the moon, but I was like yeah it was it was, it was good with the the latest Shazam movie and because I like David Sandberg, uh, I kind of like his vision. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm a little worried. I, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Salem's Lot was originally supposed to come out September 9th of last year, but then got delayed to April 21st, 2023, because of COVID related delays. And then it got pulled from the release schedule entirely, and then Evil Dead Rise got put in a slot. So it doesn't even have a release date now. And I'm like, hmm, that's probably because it's not good. Yeah, <laughs> if it's completed. Watch it know. comes out, like, January next year, and we're all going to know. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Movies out in January. Well, I don't know. January might, January might be different next year because the successes of Megan, uh, Plane, and a couple others. So I think... January might be different next year. I think movie studios still love to put bad movies out in January, but like, because September, like, at... September is the, is the I don't know what to do. This is true, yeah. But 
But January still has some pretty bad movies. Like, True. I think it's just, yeah, Megan came out and everyone was like, oh, this movie's so much fun. And I'm like, it's good because normally this month is like, awful for movies. That's uh-huh. If uh-huh. Megan came out like June, July, August, probably, I hate to say this, it would get buried. Be like yeah, it would have been buried. It would get buried. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that was another good tangent. So, <laughs> uh, Henry says, seriously, a fucking puddle. Ugh. I yeah. just, I, you know, I, there's no way, there's no conceivable way that you can defend that creative choice. Yeah, it just there's so much in the third act that completely takes the wind out of the sails of any momentum the film has built. Yeah, yeah, and any well, of it that is that is pulled off of the previous films. It's well, gone. Gone. and it like there's so many questions I have about the lore of this world mm-hmm. because we're led to believe that things happen. These people are super. They have all these strengths because. Partially because they believe that they do. And so if you if it's as simple as that, if it's as simple as Bruce Willis believing that water is his weakness and so then it becomes his weakness, he if he knows that by the end of the movie, then why can he not just be like, oh, well, water isn't actually my weakness. My belief yeah, right. in it being a weakness is the weakness. So you could just get rid of your weaknesses. You know the you know the secret. You know how it works. Yeah. Uh I mean, I maybe that's also just not Bruce Willis's character. Like, I could, I could maybe see that a little bit. Maybe that argument being made, like, he's just always believed it, so he maybe he can't unbelieve it. But like, I, it was just so anticlimactic in in terms of everything that his character has done up until now, and everything that his character like kind of represents almost. Um, just to have him be pushed face down into a fucking puddle, like. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with Henry. I agree with Henry. There's no better way to articulate the frustration with that scene than how Henry puts it. A fucking puddle? Really? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's such a flat... Everything around it's flat. It's the battle for the the fate of a, a giant city like Philadelphia done in the most undynamic of backgrounds and locales. Mm-hmm. And it's just... You don't even know you're in the third act until you're plopped into the middle of it, which yeah. is like a same criticism I gave to Josh Trank's fa- Fantastic Four. Yeah, like there is the the movie is such a goddamn mess that the the transitions to between traditional storytelling just don't exist. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's by the time you're at the credits, you're like, what? Mm-hmm. And it's an over two hour film too. Yeah. Yeah. It's and I mean a beginning of, of a massive fall because then we got old right after it for Shyamalan. Yeah. Um but you know, uh, we both kind of uh did the predator handshake over uh knock at the cabin. So yeah, maybe he's on an upswing again. Maybe maybe he's coming back for something that's going to knock us out again, right? Because uh, no, the cause... visit was passable. The visit was passable, and we 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 dug it. We're like, Whoa. we we started to be positive, like we've already talked about. And then Split came, in and we're like, fuck yeah! Like even if you look at the Metacritic score on Split, Split's in the green. Like it's a good. It's people decided it's a it's a pretty good movie. So. I, I don't know. Is Knock at the Cabin like, eh, we're coming back? Well, no, because that means the next movie's going to be awful. 
Oh no, that doesn't go with the trajectory though. <laughs> no, because it goes good. No, it's got to go bad, 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 bad. That's the Shyamalan run thing, right? You know, because you had after you had the happening, and then you had like okay, let, let's let's go with the zeitgeist in this one. You had Lady in the Water, which is a movie that was pretty well not liked. You have the happening, which was not liked. Even Mark Wahlberg doesn't like that movie. I mean, we all like hot uh, right? <laughs> you're gonna kill us aren't me no like <laughs> all of it he was a science teacher i okay and then last airbender which i mean just to just to speak to that film exists is a travesty and then after earth and you know the destruction of the smiths yeah, father-son relationship <laughs> he's got a movie coming out in 2024 called trap and then Another is that him doing one. Saw? Uh, <laughs> is he doing Saw or Escape Room? Hey, okay. A, a Shyamalan directed Escape Room? What's which we're not talking about. We're talking, talking about Termin Tournament of Champions or whatever. We're just talking about Escape Room, the first film. I mean, be, that could be fun. Shyamalan I, did move house because he was with Universal for like... Now he's Blum. Years. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I I'm a little curious, just if anything, because it's like, I don't know, maybe we can look back at those movies he's made and be like, we can just blame Universal for this, but no, we got to blame Knight on that one. But like, yeah. Servant's pretty solid as well. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe episodic television has made has has changed the the wavelength of the films that he makes now. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then Aaron has the final question of the week. It says, what are your all thoughts on the twist of this movie that there's a secret group of people who don't want superheroes to exist for some reason? I mean, the movie explains why. It's because they they want to keep the natural order of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, does it mm -hmm. make sense? Not really. But No. But th that's yeah. because it, everything about them is so, f so frustratingly vague and and without any sort of depth it's like it's like paper thin development on the entire thing Again, yeah could have used another movie set this all up like exactly exactly the sarah paulson movie because i would i know like i would dig a sarah paulson movie i always oh, do yeah. i always do um even if they're gonna do something stupid like make a nurse ratchet show i'll watch oh, it i didn't watch that <laughs> And that was something. Uh, are we are we making a Hitchcock like psycho type show, or is this a spinoff of fucking One Flew Over the Cuckoos? Who, the what is going on here? Is this Tim Burton's One Flew makes, Over? Like, what's his name? Ryan something that makes those. Ryan Murphy. Ryan yeah. Murphy. I've come He's, to learn that I don't like his his stuff. I just there's like, some that works, some that doesn't. He's quite hit or miss, and honestly, for me, it's a lot of misses. Yeah, I did mm. like um, the the one with uh, the serial killer that he just did. Dahmer. Yeah, that was pretty good. I think everybody kind of liked that one, even Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow's like, oh, at least it didn't come from behind to hit me. So, <laughs> <laughs> I wish you well. <laughs> um. <laughs> Cool. Can I can I just say have you guys seen the menu? I haven't uh, yet. No. You haven't. Okay. I, I actually I was. Know what I was gonna say. It's funny because I was gonna be like, 
they sent me a thing for a screener and I'm like, oh, this looks boring. And I didn't ask for a screener so for it. Good. And then everyone's it's, like, it's so good. I'm like, oh, shows it's, what I know. it's part of 2022, the year of Hong Chow. I mean, I'm all for it. She is fucking, she is one of my favorites right now. Anytime she appears in something, because she's in that Netflix show, The Night Agent now. Okay. Um, but between The Menu and The Whale, I was like, oh, Hong Chow. Hong Chow and everything. I did like The Whale. I have not seen The Night Agent oh. yet, but. The, the Whale, I, and I'm not, as, I'm not afraid to admit this, I think I cried through almost all of that film. Yeah, that was a very good movie. Um, it just fucking hit me in the heart over and over again. This is this is another non-horror tangent. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still waiting for more people to see The Father because that movie is something else. manipulative and yeah, emotional terror. The the son or the father? Ah, uh, the father because the father is. Oh no, maybe it is the son. I don't know. With, with Hugh Jackman? Yeah, is that the son? Okay, I, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, that's the son. I saw the father. That was with Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman. I have seen that one, and it's like, yeah, that could be a horror movie. It's like it's a horror movie about being on the inside of Alzheimer's and having your shit disappear yeah. in your brain. Ooh, yeah, that's terrifying. It is. There are, I believe, a lot of dramatic films that could be listed as horror films. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we talked about Zodiac before. I think Zodiac and how it's shot and how it tells the story it mm-hmm. takes a lot of cues from horror movies. Enough oh, for you- sure. If you like horror, you would enjoy that movie, if anything, just for how it shoots its scenes with the Zodiac Killer. A weird one that I believe is a horror film is um, Kristen Stewart uh, in Spencer. Yep, for sure. That is a horror. That's Pablo Lorraine doing a horror film. Yeah. It is a psychological horror film. Like, there's like a full on, like, haunted, decrepit mansion, like, dream sequence in it. That is so horror. Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting concept For sure. of movies that would never even list it in their genre description or like subgenre or like wherever it fits, but is horror. Like Requiem for a Dream is a horror film. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's that's it's uh, yeah, I find that fascinating. For sure. All right. Um. <laughs> Did we say what our best line was in this movie? I think we did. Uh, no, no, I don't think we. I don't, I don't think, think we, we did yet. No. All right. Best line for this movie. There's not oh, going to be a lot, but <laughs> <laughs> the script is so bad. In this yeah. Movie. yeah. Um, I did have down that line, the Samuel L. Jackson's line of "It's not. This is not a limited edition. This was an origin story the whole time, mm. or something." Because um, mm. even though it didn't actually have the gravitas that it would in a good film um i did still think it was it was kind of neat um and what other line i also had the when sarah paulson comes up to bruce willis at the end and goes tell me the truth did i almost convince you you were an ordinary man um even though again the the speech she gives after is very lackluster because that's the first time we're learning about all of this stuff and it would be nice to know a little bit about it earlier in the movie movie or series um, it, it was still a good like gut punch of like okay she knew the whole time that's just mm-hmm. finally finally confirmed mm-hmm. um, 
because up until then they did kind of play fast and loose with is she what what's going on like and and maybe not necessarily in, in a great way but they did try and do a little bit of that um my favorite line if only because it's so fucking stupid uh it's when patricia asks, and what do we call you sir and then uh uh price says first name mr last name glass Glass. i fucking <laughs> yeah. died i'm like okay no your name's elijah price okay not <laughs> mr glass so stupid. Um, I, I, I like the interaction between Joseph and David when he's like, uh, you got dinged, good news, they're not calling you the tiptoe man or the float anymore. They pretty much settled on the overseer. Uh, overseer. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. cool. And then uh, David's like, do not mention the tiptoe man again. Yeah. <laughs> also, there was like a funny little like just one-off line where the guy that like when they go in, when he goes into the house to get those two guys, one of the guys says something like, "Dude, this is home invasion or something." Like it's just a, such a stupid like line that I mean I do forget I did forget it, but just the guy's reaction to see this big hulky man in his house is just to be like, "This is home invasion." Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, best performance. Hmm. Uh, McAvoy again. Okay, this... Sarah Paulson. No, that's a, that's a good one too. That's a yeah. good one too. Um. Hmm. I liked Bruce Willis too, honestly, but that also just could be because I have lots of warm fuzzies about Unbreakable, so maybe I have attachments mm. to that character. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, McAvoy is always good in the split role too, because that just seems that just seems exhausting to it, act out. <laughs> it's impressive. I just he anytime when an actor can do that and pull it off well, it's just nothing short of impressive. Yeah. I I guess for me it's like I don't know. It got very tiring after a while. It, all of his like like split personalities and stuff and just tracking all of them. Like I I do give him credit cause like obviously to do that kind of stuff is very tough. But I think after a certain while I just got exhausted with seeing that. I'm just like oh. My well, and it's kind of the same thing we've talked about of, oh, well, he has all these other personalities, some of whom we've never met before, and now yeah. all of a sudden they're coming up and making it seem like they've been there the whole time, when really it's just like, who are you? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Part of me does kind of think that watching this movie, I'm like, ah, oh, there's just so much going on with his character. I think they could have scaled it back, too, honestly. Like... Mm-hmm. It felt like they were really trying to drive home the point that, like, hey, he has multiple personalities, guys. Look, we can, like, cram so many in. And I think it kind of clouded my, a little bit my appreciation for his performance. Even though it is good, I'm like, it's just like, after a while, I'm like, okay, I get it. You you have split personalities. Like, we get the point. Yeah. But Sarah Paulson, I mean, she does evil very well. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's a very versatile actress. She's been in a lot of stuff. But... Uh, including uh, some maybe not so great movies. I'm looking at you, Bird Box. Um, uh, but <laughs> she's also been in some of the greatest television series of all time that weren't given a fucking chance, like Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Yep, that's true. So, yeah, Sarah Paulson, easy choice in this. And I think she does the best with the material. So. Mm-hmm. Um, best kill the puddle. 
Just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> yep, totally the puddle. Is there? There's not many kills in this, anyways. Like... No. The the only other one I wrote down was the the orderly or whoever who Samuel L. Jackson like swipes across his throat with a knife at one okay. point, yeah. and then. Yeah. I mean, I guess we don't know if if uh, James McAvoy is actually killing all those guards or just knocking them out or doing whatever he's doing with them. But mm-hmm. that's 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 about. It's just it's yeah. The kills in this one are very meh. Yeah, I would agree with that. And like even even James McAvoy, he just gets kind of shot in the stomach, and then yeah. he just has like some kind of monologue, and then he's done. And like the same happens with Samuel Jackson. They all just wind up like kind of just sad on the ground. <laughs> I mean, Robin Wright, I guess, got killed between movies, so... Yep. <laughs> the off-screen kill is the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in this case... Implied death. That might be... The, the, they saved Robin Wright, uh, a crime against cinema. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, like, I guess there's also, too, like, James McAvoy, McAvoy gets shot in the stomach, so... But that was kind of boring. I don't know. This is not a kill kind of movie, honestly. It's If you're looking no. for this movie for kills. Well, I mean, I'm not going to recommend you watch this movie anyways, but definitely not for kills. Yeah. Not unless you're already invested, I guess. Yeah, yeah like, like I, that's if I d- hadn't done the movie for this podcast, I would have eventually watched it just to see the completion of what, what had been started. Yeah. And just to see, like, a big, I, I also like lore for, for this kind of movie, like a series, too, right? So you just... Kind of having my curiosity uh, abated for just seeing what happens. That that is maybe the the reason to watch this movie. <laughs> for sure. Okay, dumbest decision. Um, this goes to M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> just it, so any, much. Any decision. Do you know? Do you know story structure? Do you know how human beings speak? Yeah. Um. No. Do you know about just depth of character and depth of existing plot? <laughs> like, yeah. there's so many questions. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna say just dumbest decision is a very meta one, but trying to rush a, a team up movie when you've only had two movies before it, and one of which definitely didn't tie into any other ones at, at the time. And one mm-hmm. kind of crammed it in, like, literally, like, the last couple seconds of the movie. So, I mean, uh, I, you know, I get it. Like, 100% the studio probably wanted their Avengers. They saw that money. They wanted a piece of it. But mm-hmm. it goes to show, I mean, Marvel is not perfect. But I think they, at the very least, are much better at pacing out their franchises than most other studios. So, Absolutely mm-hmm. agree. Yeah. And it's it's so heartbreaking, too, because from what I read online, both Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson were really excited to come back and play these characters. And so for them to just be done so dirty <laughs> by this movie and not give them, like, even that good of a send-off, it's just, it's heartbreaking. Well, with, and I can't imagine even filming that last stuff and feeling like this is the end of these characters. I mean... I don't. I, I can't attest to what uh, Bruce Willis was feeling, just pertaining to all the stuff he's going through now and everything. Because this is only 2018, 2019 when they're making this movie, right? Um, not that long ago. 
So you wonder what the effects that are there, but and I don't know, like making it, wouldn't you feel like that's it? Yeah. 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 I mean, unless Shyamalan has some deep dark secret movie that he's gonna pull out of his ass that's gonna be amazing and fix everything at some point. But otherwise, yeah, I agree. It it really does feel like a oh, this is this is it. Yeah. Well, he's really not known for his director's cuts. Like, generally, the film he puts out is the film he wants to put out. Mm, yeah. So, but yeah, I don't know. <sighs> All right. I think it's time to score this movie and perhaps put it out of its misery. Absolutely <laughs> putting it out of its misery, yeah. Um, uh... I'll give it a four out of ten. <laughs> like, I definitely have seen movies that are far more unwatchable than this. Like, is this movie borderline watchable? I would argue yes, but there's just so much. And I think especially when you watch the other movies before this, it just makes it even more frustrating. Um, yeah, a 4 out of 10. And I feel like I'm being generous, like, but, because I feel like for some people, this would probably even be closer to, like, a 1 or 2 out of 10. But, I'll, I'll say 4. I'll leave it at that. Mm. Oh, man. I think I'm going to go just slightly higher with a five. Um, just because there were some individual parts of this that I kind of liked. And I, I do like I do like a lot of the ideas behind what happens in this movie. And, and I like the idea of this secret organization that knows that if if these like superhuman people are left unchecked, then there is a balance that's ruined or something like that. You know, they're like the jedi and the sith or whatever but uh it, it's just not the execution of it yeah it's so rushed it's nothing is fleshed out everything kind of comes out of nowhere to the point where you're it just seems kind of dumb and 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 everything feels like it should have all this weight but it doesn't so instead you're just kind of like Ugh. like the people don't seem as scary as they should be i feel like or as like they have all this power it kind of just feels like things have just happened and kind of got it a little out of control and and mm -hmm. now they've just come in and they're doing a little bit of cleanup which for like an organization that boasts that they've kept the world safe for thousands and thousands of years and samuel L. jackson is able to suddenly hoodwink them for no reason like i don't know it, it all just seems very there's no real connection between anything that happens, and it just seems like it could have just not happened. Fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm going to rock with a four. <laughs> this, uh, And especially experience in theaters and to be, like, have any sort of investment. Yeah. And then be delivered that. It was such... It was like an insult to injury. Yeah. <laughs> it was, and it's just like... Yeah, to, to see the characters done dirty like that, and there's just really not a lot that works in this film. Yeah. For sure. And uh, even some of uh, uh, David's Batmaning <laughs> is just <laughs> not great. Yeah, he didn't seem like he was as cool as he was in Unbreakable. Like, yeah. Unbreakable, he was like this badass, like... He was just kind of a security guard, but he was a security guard with, like, a heart of gold who could go out and take out the bad guys yeah. secretly. Almost Like, he had this presence, whereas in this movie, he really doesn't. He's just no. kind of a guy in a coat. Yeah. Yep. And I think it's also, like, 
the fact that you have such wild characters in um, Samuel L. Jackson and James McAvoy that, like, <laughs> uh, Bruce Willis's character just seems so much more bland compared to, like, those two. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, all right, I mean... Honestly, fair. yeah. Fair. Um, so anyways. Cool. All right. Well, Steve, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, you... Yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Seville Dead. I'm on uh, Letterboxd as well. Uh, my website stevestebbing.ca, um, and I'm on the podcast uh, After the Credits, as well as the Shift with Shane Hewitt, which is a chorus radio show across Canada in eleven different markets. You can uh, find it in your local radio station. Uh, yeah, that's it. Cool. Oh wait, I, I sorry. I want to plug one more thing. Mm -hmm. um, just because it's in the news right now, I did an episode of Perfect Ten on the Thunder Quack Podcast Network uh, in January on Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and Edgar Wright just announced that they're doing an, an anime of uh, Scott mm. Pilgrim with all the original cast members. So it's uh, again in the news. So uh, you can go back and listen to that one. It's just us giving like and good hour love story to uh, a love song to uh, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, which that was very unexpected. I did not. <clears throat> yes. Caught me off guard entirely. I was like, oh, yes. Like, it's almost like giving it the flowers that it should have got. Because mm -hmm. I think like something stupid like Grown Ups or something beat it at the box office that week. And it, it's fucking sad. Yeah. I mean, fair. Taylor, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I occasionally hang out on Instagram or Twitch under the username Techronomicon. I upload scores for the movies we cover on the podcast on my Letterboxd under the username Circeanic. And I have a blog where, if I do anything else of note, I will post about it there. Um, Circeanic.home.blog Nice. Um... I'm over on Twitter, Bone Critic Kurt, Fatal Koala on Letterboxd. I'm also uh, Three Angry Podcast, where you can catch my review of Super Mario Brothers and <clears throat> my updated thoughts on Love is Blind, because I mean, I think people will, will some people will not want to admit this, but probably the most, the most, uh, entrancing thing on television right now is Love is Blind. It's hard not to look away. <laughs> uh, especially all the memes that have come out of it. There's one guy that was like, I'm going to name my kids after Elden Ring bosses and everyone was just dying. Oh my god. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Because his fiance did not pick up on it, but the rest of the internet obviously was very tuned into this. And yeah, so it's, just, that's hilarious. it's, it's a wild ride of a show. Um, yeah, uh, you know, and also to check out Three Angry Gamers, the gaming podcast. I reviewed Resident Evil 4, which is horror. So, there you go. Not a horror show or movie, but a horror video game. So, and uh, spoilers, but I really enjoyed it. So, all right. Well, it's Resident Evil. Gotta love it. Oh, yeah. Plus those One of my friends is the voices in that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. The, the, new, yeah. Uh, the new games have been very good. So, I have that's very awesome to complain about. So yeah. Um, and then yeah, 
next uh, recording, we're going to be going back to the sewers for a chud and alligator. Hell yes. Oh, my God. Chud. Oh, this so excited. good. Yeah, um, this is going to be great. Yeah. So get excited for that. Um, yeah. And yeah. We'll see you all in a couple of weeks. Bye for now.